Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. Please join me in prayer. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our God, our wisdom, our salvation. Amen. Well, it's always interesting to me when Holy Week falls at the beginning of April during April Fools because I actually think there is a theological connection to be made between Holy Week and April Fools and if you're trying to figure out how there could be a connection let me just say that's how my brain works it's very interesting the the origins of April Fools there are some who say that April Fools actually comes from a time when people celebrated the new year on April 1st, and then they decided uh, that it would be better and more accurate to uh, celebrate uh, April, uh, New Year's on January 1st, but of course, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like to change, and so there were a group of people who said, we're going to celebrate the new year on April 1st anyway, and that's what they did, and over time, they became known as April Fools. But that's probably not the origins of April Fools. Uh, most historians actually reject that idea. But what is more likely is April Fools goes back to a time when European towns would sometimes have one day out of the year in which they would, which they would observe the reversal of roles in the town. So all the Sanitation workers would, for one day, work in the highest levels of government, and the highest levels in government would sweep streets and tend to repairs and any other tasks that needed to be done. It was a way to reverse the roles for two reasons. One, to remind people that other people's jobs require skill. Other people's jobs are not as easy as we might think, those of us on the outside looking in. Those who have never been in leadership can't figure out how leaders can so often, from their view, get it wrong, and those in leadership can't understand how people not in leadership don't understand that they're always right. <laughs> and so it was a way to develop some empathy, empathy for the other person's work, the other person's tasks and toils. But the other thing it provided was a little bit of comic relief. 
watching someone who had no idea how to repair something made of wood trying to do it. Or someone who had no idea how to put forward a plan in place because they had never done it. And so it provided some comic relief. So that's part of what we think is going on with April Fools. <coughs> I was very blessed to have grown up in an extended family where almost everybody had a great sense of humor. It's a wonderful way to grow up. And I remember uh, the story of my great-grandfather and great-grandmother, my mom's paternal grandparents, my great-grandfather had a wonderful sense of humor. My great-grandmother, not so much. And the story comes down that when they were young immigrants here in the United States and they owned a, a house in the Cleveland area and had some land, my great-grandfather one spring planted a little pear slab pear sapling. And you know, pear saplings, when you plant them, like a lot of fruit trees, they're not going to bear fruit the first year. They may not even bear fruit in two years or three years. They take some time. So that pear sapling sat there for several weeks, and then in the height of summer, one day, my great-grandfather goes down to the market, he buys some pears, and he comes back, and when my great-grandmother is in the house going about her chores, he ties pears to that little sapling all over. And when my great-grandmother looks out the kitchen window and she sees the pears hanging from that sapling, she starts running through the house proclaiming, it's a miracle! It's a miracle! And it's a miracle my grandfather got out of that unscathed. <laughs> she was not laughing though everyone else was. Holy Week. It's not much of a time for laughter, I suppose. We've got the joy of today. We've got the joy of Palm Sunday. We've got the joy next week of the celebration of Easter. By the way, early theologians referred to Jesus' resurrection of the dead as God's Easter laugh, as God's practical joke that he played on the devil. More about that next week. But you know, we come, we're coming to Monday, Thursday, the Last Supper, and we're coming to Good Friday, not much occasion for laughter. But April Fool's, I think, somehow speaks to this week in that we finally get, in this week, what has been happening throughout the Gospels, all of Jesus' ministry, and that Jesus is reversing fortunes. Jesus is turning things upside down. We get a glimpse of that in Advent with Mary's song, that wonderful song Mary sings, and we sing, we read it every year, and there's music been written to it, where Mary is proclaiming that her son who will be born, that in, in his ministry everything is going to be reversed, the rich will be poor, the poor will be rich, 
the powerless will, the, will be, have power and those who have power will be brought down. And so there's this great reversal that the way up is down, that the way to uh, being on top in the kingdom is to be a servant. Jesus takes the way we deal with power and authority in the world, if it could be a triangle with the very few at the top of the tip who control everything. Jesus takes that triangle and he turns it upside down and he stands it on his head and he says, all those folks that you see who are the servants, those who are marginalized, those who don't have anything, they're the greatest. Jesus comes in, into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to great fanfare. And he comes riding in on a donkey. He doesn't come riding in on a horse. That's what Pompey did. Pompey, the Roman general in 63 BC, when the Romans took over Jerusalem without firing even so much as an arrow, he comes riding in in victory on his horse. He's in charge. But when you want to sue for peace, when you want to negotiate for peace, you come riding in on a donkey. And so Jesus comes riding in on a donkey to say, I want peace. I don't think, I think that makes sense of what happens when Jesus, before he enters into Jerusalem, goes east and he looks down, in the, he looks down on the city and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you like a mother hen who gathers her chicks under her wings. And when does the mom do that? When the chicks are in danger. How long I wanted to do that for you, but you just weren't willing. And so here is Jesus riding into Jerusalem in a sense while people are waving their leafy branches and their palm branches, what Jesus is doing is he's coming into Jerusalem to extend an olive branch. And what we will see this Good Friday is that that olive branch is rejected. You know, I grew up in a, I didn't grow up in the Methodist tradition, I grew up in, in Protestant uh, non-denominational traditions where we really didn't do anything with Holy Week. We had Palm Sunday and we had Easter Sunday, but Holy Week was just not on the radar for us. And when I came into the Methodist tradition and started to attend churches in which Holy Week was more emphasized, you had Monday, Thursday, you had Good Friday. Easter took on a new significance for me. Because what I had realized was that having Palm Sunday and having East, then Easter with nothing in between 
was rather like reading the first chapter of the book and then the last chapter. What I discovered was I couldn't understand the depth of Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday because I grew up going from parade to party. But then when I started taking that journey every year, the celebration of Easter became even more deeply profound. Because you can't understand Easter's affirmation that it doesn't end at the cemetery until you've been to the cemetery. And we can't understand what is going on in the midst of this celebration of Palm Sunday. People are waving branches, saying, Hosanna, it means in Hebrew, save us, save us. Boy, I bet the authorities didn't like the sound of that. This self-proclaimed rabbi who had no credentials on his resume that everybody else deemed valuable, riding into Jerusalem and the people willing to follow. But the party, and who doesn't like a party, but the party would be short-lived. At least for a lot of those people who by Good Friday had decided that he really wasn't the one who was going to save them because in their view, God's deliverer doesn't end up on a cross. How do you save people? By dying. How are you a conqueror if you lose the battle? I think I've said before that that this proclamation of Easter, this proclamation of Good Friday, the idea that we hold up the cross as something that gives us freedom and victory is so nonsensical. You know, it's like saying that even though my team lost the Super Bowl by 30 points, we actually won. And so, Everything this week is upside down. And if you don't understand, if we don't understand that it's upside down, then in the big picture of this week culminating with Easter, if we don't understand that upside, that God reverses this stuff, if we don't get that, then we actually do become the fools. Even though we do look like fools to people who don't understand what this week is about. And so the one who comes into Jerusalem that day, riding on palm branches, the one who's going to take this week and needle the authorities, needle the status quo to within an inch of their patience, and who is going to end up where all failed would-be revolutionaries end up, 
will next Sunday, next Sunday, have the last laugh. We'll demonstrate that this up is down and down is up and in and out is out and in and everything is reversed. We'll demonstrate next Sunday that it's true. That it's indeed true and saving. Paul says at one point in his letters, we are fools for Christ. At least that's the way people view us as fools for Christ, that we could somehow believe that this first century Galilean Jew who dies upon the cross for treason is actually the savior of the world. <laughs> and Paul says, so we are fools for Christ. If that's what they want to believe, let it be. We're fools for Christ. But here's the point. We are all going to pledge our allegiance to somebody or something, our ultimate unwavering allegiance to somebody or something that's unavoidable, as Bob Dylan saying many years ago, you got to serve somebody. In one sense or another, everybody is going to make that choice. Everybody is going to be a fool for someone or something. So at the end of the day, I'll be a fool for Jesus. The question we must all ask, whose fool are we? In this journey of Holy Week, I hope we know the answer to that. And I hope we will follow Jesus, not only through the valley, but up to the hill, up to the top of the hill, and finally, to the joy of resurrection. So friends, it's April Fool's Week. But also in this Holy Week, we have a God who when it comes to his love for us, when it comes to his desire to save us and offer salvation to the world in Jesus, our God is not fooling around. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, in your love for us, you have stopped at nothing to offer to us the olive branch of peace and reconciliation of salvation. So often as human beings, we've not been really interested in that because we would prefer to control our own destiny. We would prefer to name ourselves. At the end of the day, we want to be able to say that we did it our way. But help us to embrace what so often in our culture is the foolish idea that freedom really comes from being bound to you and your ways. That the freedom that Jesus brings to us is not freedom to live how we want, but rather it's freedom that allows us to do what we ought.
And so in this Holy Week, may we journey with you in all facets of this week, whether it's in a room as you prepare and participate in a last meal at the hill called Calvary where so many of his disciples had abandoned him, may we in this week be there in the silence of Saturday and then finally in the great celebration of new life and resurrection as we in new perspective rejoice with joy next Sunday in your Easter laugh. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.